Welcome to the Movie Planet. With Joe. You're not allowed to create even a simple joke. Damn frustrating, I'd say. And Joel. All right, I'm following you in. Please have a cold beer ready for the weary traveler. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Walter to my David. Joel, good to see you. How are we doing today? Doing well. Yeah. I'm glad. Thanks for giving me Walter. I, you know, I, I had David first, and I was like, you know, I'm more evil than you are. That's fair. Yes. Uh, in case you don't know, we are talking about the 2017 science fiction horror movie Alien Covenant this week. Uh, Joel and I went to the theater. JC could not join us. JC has fallen ill. Feel well yeah, soon. He is, he is not doing well. Uh, but uh, we went to the theater last night to finish out the Alien franchise, and today we are going to discuss this movie with heavy spoilers. We're going to give it a grade, give it the franchise a final grade, and decide whether to induct it into the franchise pantheon or exclude it. Yeah, spoilers are going to be ahead, yeah. so just beware that it is called the Alien Covenant Podcast. Yes, if you haven't seen this movie yet, uh, stop it after the news is over, go see it, then listen, and that way you don't start yelling at us for letting people know what the hell's going on. Are you ready to jump on the Covenant? Ooh, I'm going to give me a fresh cup of coffee, and we're going to... Blast off. All right. Let's go Kenny Power style. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. This week, we are talking about 2017's Alien Covenant, directed by Ridley Scott. Screenplay by John Logan and Dante Harper. Story by Jack Paglin and Michael Green. Starring Michael Fassbender as both David and Walter. Catherine Waterston as Daniels. Billy Crudup as Orem. Danny McBride as Tennessee. Demian Bashir as Lope. And James Franco as the... Wait, was he even in this? Uh, no. <laughs> he was in a video Did, clip, wasn't he? Yes. Climbing a mountain? Yeah, he was in more of the previews and featurettes than he was in the actual film. Yeah. Um, question. Yes. Did Daniels remind you of Lucas Graham at all? Do you <laughs> Who's Lucas Graham? The uh, guy that sings Seven Years. Or, oh. She uh, definitely has the, the look. look. He looks like short, I mean, the short hair does it. But yeah. Then Lucas, Lucas Graham does, isn't the most masculine fella. They were definitely trying to channel a little Sigourney Weaver on this one. Yeah. Um, there are a few aspects of this movie where they were trying to uh, channel a f- little of that Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. This, we'll talk about that. This is gonna, yeah, we'll talk about <laughs> now. There's a few tributes in this, if you will. Yeah. Uh, the mo- a little about the making of this film. The movie was made for $111 million. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to make that money back just on this weekend alone. Um, early in 2012, before Prometheus was released in theaters, Ridley Scott started to bring up the idea of a sequel that would follow Shaw to the engineer's homeworld, aptly titled Paradise, since if our creator is from there, then it stands to be paradise. However, Scott decided to change the perception, saying, quote, because if it is paradise, it cannot be what you think it is. Paradise has a connotation of being extremely sinister and ominous. Prometheus writer Damon Lindelof wasn't sure if he'd be writing this movie because of the blowback from the Prometheus script. There were too many questions, and the former lost writer had begun to exhibit a habit of bringing up questions and not answering them. You don't say. Ultimately, he chose not to return to the franchise, and Ridley went looking for new writers. And now we get to the Ridley Scott game of misdirection and trickery. First, Scott says, hey, I thought that having one more film would bridge the 50-year gap between Prometheus and Alien. Lies. This is not Bridget yet. Nope. Uh, He also stated the film would feature no xenomorphs or traditional aliens. 
Lies. Yeah. <laughs> and on September 24th, he confirmed the film's title as Alien Paradise Lost. Lies. Yeah. <laughs> Strike three. Uh, that being said, he does a lot of misdirection here. I think he knew all that stuff, and he just didn't want to give anything away. Yeah. I can't fault him for that. Uh, Joel, you have been introduced to this franchise mm-hmm. for the last five, six weeks. Were you excited to see this movie after what you've seen? I was surprisingly excited. Yep. The only wrinkle in my excitement came from when I was talking to my friend who just got a job over at Paramount in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and he said that he heard that McBride's Tennessee character wasn't going to get much airtime. <laughs> said, I think he said about 22 minutes tops. But Elba, my thought going into the movie was, well... That's fine. At least I know it going in. Yeah. And Idris Elba's character didn't get a lot of screen time either, and I loved him. Yeah. So I tried to keep my uh, excitement on the top shelf. Okay. All right. Uh, For me, yeah, I was excited. Alien movies are almost like event movies for me Mm -hmm. Uh, because they happen so infrequently. It's not like they happen every single year. When you hear an alien movie is coming out, you start going, because this has been, it's only five movies, six movies since 1979. That's not a lot, um, especially when you consider the sequel culture we live in. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, it's special when one of these comes out because you're going to get something either really good or really bad. It's like playing roulette. You're either going to win or lose. You're right. There's no in between. Alien and Aliens, you win. Alien Cube, Alien Resurrection, you kind of lose. I know it's a guilty pleasure for some of us to watch these movies, but you kind of lose with those. Prometheus, you won. With this one, let's find out. May I ask you a question? Father, please, if you created me, who created you? Ah, the question of the ages, which I hope you and I will answer one day. All this, all these wonders of art, design, human ingenuity, All utterly meaningless in the face of the only question that matters. Where do it come from? I refuse to believe that mankind is a random byproduct of molecular circumstance. No more than the result of mere biological chance. No, there must be more. And you and I, son, We will find it. Allow me then a moment to consider. You seek your creator. I am looking at mine. I will serve you, yet you are human. You will die. I will not. Bring me this tea, David. Give me the tea. So let's go into the synopsis of the movie, courtesy of our good people at Wikipedia, because they are the only people to have a synopsis so far. They're elite. In a prologue, Peter Wayland, played by Guy Pierce, he's back for a brief hot second. <laughs> speaks with his newly activated synthetic, who selects the name David after looking upon a replica of Michelangelo's statue of the same name. Whalen tells David that one day they will search for mankind's creator together. What do you think of this opener? 
Uh, it's very different than every other Alien movie. Yeah. It, it kind of painted a new picture for the film for me. I mean, how did the others start off? They all start off, you're waking up on the ship. You're waking up on, well, they all start off really with like space and then the letters just showing up little by little. And they oh, did do that. Oh, it was really cool. They brought the letter thing back, showing little by little, and then they went straight to his eyeball. Yes. Super weird. Yeah. Or, sorry, super cool. Mm-hmm. The scene with the creator, with Waylon, that was a little weird. It was strange. Um, I'm glad they brought Guy Pierce back because at right. least it validates why he was in the first one. Yeah. But it it was a really good scene. It's just the way they shot it was everything was perfectly white. And you could see the mountains and the lake in the background. Yeah. And it kind of gives you a very unsettling feeling from the very beginning. Well, Wayland's, for me at least. Wayland's already creepy. Yes. And then you you know, here you have this synthetic android, droid, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and he wakes up and the first thing he interacts with was is this creepiness mm-hmm. and this need for discovery that borders on natural nature rape. Yeah. And you start to put together, like if this is what he is learning right from the bat, he's going to be, end up being something bad later on. This is his first introduction into what is expected in life. So it sets the seed up for you right there. Uh, but other than that, I, I like that. I like the fact that he gets his name from the David. Yeah. You know, he, he's called this, you you are perfect. And okay, well, then that's perfect right there. Perfection. David, I am David. Um, so here we go. Then we speed ahead. We speed ahead without anything you have seen in featurettes <laughs> to get to know any of the characters. It is 2104. The crew of the colony ship Covenant is bound for a remote planet, Oragai 6, with some 2,000 colonists and 1,000 embryos on board, which are monitored by Walter, an upgraded synthetic resembling the earlier David. A neutrino burst hits the ship, killing some colonists. Walter orders the computer to wake the crew from stasis, but the captain dies. James Franco dies when his pod malfunctions. But you don't know that it's a clone right away. No. You go the entire first... 30 minutes, 45 minutes of the movie, thinking that you're still with David from the beginning, from yeah. the very first movie. The only difference is the accent. Yeah. He has more of a, a just a, a tougher-sounding Midwest accent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, this is our first... We introdu- we're introduced to the crew by them waking up in panic as opposed to learning what they were like at all. Because from the panic moment... There really isn't a lot of character development at that point. No, no. You need the, and we just put it up on the Instagram, you need to have some of those featurettes, uh, featurettes if you want to understand the emotions and the connection between a lot of these characters. Because yeah. they do not give it to you in the theater. Yeah. Um, not right away, at least. Okay. And you have to have almost that background knowledge to catch some smaller lines. Yeah. Like I was just saying, I heard uh, with the, the male couple on the uh on a ship going in okay. say something that you didn't but because we had that featurette i was more aware to and looking for it mm-hmm. but if you're just the average movie goer you're gonna miss completely exactly yeah it's uh yeah I, I don't know why that stuff was not put into the movie uh i think it would have helped later on which we'll get to uh but okay so as the crew repairs the damage because they jump right into damage mode uh they intercept a human radio oh wait before we get into this you have james franco you hire this guy for a movie, and he gets he doesn't get a line in this movie. It's just burned alive. Sweet. And then a video of him that Daniels is crying over. But this, I mean, 
I guess I was expecting when I heard James Franco and Danny McBride were going to be in this, I was like, okay, this is going to be really good because I know people, you know, crap on James Franco, but he doesn't, he's not a bad actor. He's not. I w- I'll let you finish. Okay. And then, yeah. And so when you have a character like that and you kill him off right away, it reminded me a lot of Wes Craven's Scream when they hired Drew Barrymore just to kill her off in the first 20 minutes. Which one was that? With the very first one? The original Scream. Really? They brought Drew Barrymore into this movie. She was the biggest actress at the time on, in, that, in, that, uh, in that movie. And the first thing they do is they kill her off in the first five minutes. No way. Yeah. And I was kind of like, guess no one is safe. So killing James Franco, maybe that was your no one is safe moment. Yeah, it. I was talking to my roommate this morning because he's a big Franco guy. Mm-hmm. It, he helps me have an open mind because he really likes Jared Leto. Okay. He really likes James Franco. And a lot of my friends do, honestly. And I'm on the other side where it's not that I don't like them. I just don't get it. Yeah. I don't understand whatever makes a big deal about. If I were sitting here with James Franco, I would, I would want to know. I respect him in similar ways to the way I respect The Rock in that you do a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. You're very stretched. You go in a lot of different directions, and I truly do respect what he does. I also, though, feel like he is the – I can't even think of the best way to word it, like the Chipotle maybe of actors. Yeah. People love it because they are told that it is the best. Okay. All right, yeah. They, it is not bad. Mm-hmm. It is very satisfying, and you, it's, you can find very good things about it. You can also find things to complain about charging that much for a quarter of an avocado. <laughs> um, but I don't understand what everyone makes such a big deal about. And I finally figured it while watching that movie when she's watching the video clip of him on the mountain. Mm-hmm. I can't see anything that he does outside of who he portrays in This is the End. During the... Oh. During the... Uh, <laughs> magazine scene? scene? Yeah, the magazine <laughs> scene with McBride, which is a great scene. I can't take him seriously anywhere else. I okay. really can't. I, I just see him as the the cool kid leader of that little goon squad. You know what you need almost? You almost need, after you see that movie, to just get back to seeing 127 Hours again just to clean the palette? I guess, but I watched his little special that he had on HBO, the one where he goes back in time. Oh. I still can't see past him. I just cannot take James Franco seriously, and I want to, just like I want to take Jamie Foxx seriously. Yeah. There's, in the words of, oh, what's his name? That He's Schmidt's cousin. He's in the Marines. They okay. have him on NFL. Step, he's in Step Brothers. In Step Brothers, he's like, Rob Riggle. Okay. There's, I just see Franco and Jamie Foxx, and I, he's like, like, I'm like, guys, I respect what you do. I mean, you're pulling it off. You're doing all this. But if you don't change your face, I'm going to fix it for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how I feel whenever I watch any of their movies. And I want to change so bad on the inside, but I cannot just like let my guard down and just love anything Franco does. Yeah. And it's hard for me. So I was thrilled when they just like cut him off in the beginning because I wanted it to be McBride's movie. I didn't want it to be Franco with McBride as a sidekick like it always is. Mm-hmm. I wanted McBride to have the opportunity to do his own thing. And that's what I was most excited to see. I'll say this. I would have rather have seen a no-name captain that you don't know get killed and have James Franco replace Billy Crudup in this. Because yeah. if James, because James Franco could play that person that nobody likes on there and nobody respects, mm-hmm. and that would have been interesting to see. Because I know for a fact Franco would have delivered some of those lines better than Crudup, mm-hmm. you know. And it just, it would have been a different role for him. 
It would be. I think you wasted an actor. Yeah. Uh, so it, on a featurette, you wasted it on a featurette, just like you do Numi Repace. You know, you brought her back for a featurette. Yeah. Yeah. That's just uncool. We're talking about featurettes. <laughs> talking about featurettes. As the crew repairs the damage, they intercept a human radio transmission from a nearby unknown planet, uh, playing country roads. It. I wanted. To, I wanted to say this to you in the theater, but I was trying to obey like all movie rules. Yeah. This goes straight back to Elba's character of, oh, we so we know what this song is 200 years after it came out. They don't know. Don't, don't, don't mess with me with John Denver. <laughs> That's the part. We need to also say that it is Tennessee that is out there, and he maybe the funniest spacewalk of all time. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> but he hears, he hears country. He's like, it's John. He's like, John Denver? He's like, no. <laughs> but how do they know? I'm good. I do hope. Well, his name is Tennessee because his name is Tennessee. He should know everything country, right? Right. I do hope that John Denver's Country Roads is still relevant 200 years from now. Yeah. Uh, that That's like some guy named California, and he knows every Red Hat Chili's Pepper song. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> against the objection of Daniels, who is terraforming expert, er, expert, acting Captain Orem decides to investigate because an alien, you never listen to the woman on a ship. Yeah. Well, and here's something else. In the very beginning, you get to hear uh, Crudup's character, and he talks about, because I'm on the ship and I'm the guy of faith, all, everyone automatically assumes that everything I do is soft and cannot be taken seriously. And yeah. I loved that line because that is a big stigma that a lot of people of faith get. They just get that, the, oh, they'll bend over backwards for whatever, and they're passive and they're soft. Right. And so I was really excited to see hopefully this character be a more alpha role and say, no, I'm going to take charge. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to communicate clearly. And I'll just go ahead and say it. They make him a bitch. They really do. Yeah. They, they make him the softest character. And it's like, man, you said it from the beginning. I thought that they were really going to stick up for him, but they didn't. They made him the biggest joke of this film. You know who he was in this? Who? Gorman from Aliens. Which one was Gorman? The military guy that they wouldn't listen to. That had only done like one jump and yep. was trying to control everything and nobody respected him whatsoever. Yep. He was the Gorman of this. Yeah. And so the whole reason he goes to this planet is because everyone treats him like garbage. Yeah. And everyone's saying, or we could just go over here. It'd be Instead of traveling for seven years, it'll only be two weeks. This place can be, this place can be uh, colonized. We can do this. We can do this. And so he's pressured because everyone hates him. So he says, you know what? Well, let's make people happy. It is increasingly better than where we're headed yep. on paper. Yep. And the only person that tells him not to is the person whose husband or boyfriend or fiance just died. Right. He's, she's the only one that tells him no. So in this time, he's really just trying to connect with his crew who still just doesn't like him. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to please the masses. And... Well, where does it go, Joe? Well, let me just say this. If there's anybody that you're going to listen to on the ship when it comes to where you're going, you might want to listen to the terraforming expert who has researched a planet to grow all the things that you need for your humans to live. That's where they know where to go. You don't go, uh, that's cute. You think that? I think I found something better. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Um, so 
As the planet appears to be even better for colonization than Origai 6, and the crew is reluctant to return to their stasis pods, paranoid of another neutrino, neutrino burst. An expedition team descends to the surface while Covenant remains in orbit. K- Karen conducts an ecological survey while the others track the signal to the crashed engineer ship, piloted by David and Elizabeth Shaw following the disastrous Prometheus mission. Okay, we've got our tie-in. Yeah. But let's split the group up. Mm-hmm. And the one guy steps on spores. Immediately. And immediately. What is that the one where it shoots in his ears? Yeah, that was really cool, too. Yeah. We get a very... If you haven't seen the movie, you get a very good look at what the spores do and how they form and how they reach inside of your bloodstream. Yeah, it was a really fantastic look at how mm-hmm. it, it evolved on the planet without anybody there. Yes. Um, but it, there's two sections of that where the, the spores are they're stepped on and they rise up and they get in the guy's ear. And the other guy, doesn't it go into his eye? Into his nose. Oh, his nose. I'm sorry. He breathes it in through his nose. Yeah. Um, which... That and what's interesting is this was a different way to get the alien on the ship, mm-hmm. as opposed to oh it's snuck on, right? Because th- they'll call back to that at the very end of this movie as to how, why is it still on there if it got blown up earlier. Two security team members, Ledward and Hallett, are inadvertently infected with an alien spore. Boom. Karen helps Ledward back to the landing vehicle, but Ferris quarantines them both inside the med bay. Now let's also note during this time. Some of the crew members are getting very suspicious. One of them, I believe, is one of the guys that was infected, uh, or the husband of one that was just infected, mm-hmm. because they find wheat on the planet. Yes. And they say, why is the, it's strange that there's human vegetation this far from our planet? And so some of them are already starting to put together, and you're starting to try to make connections in how long have people been here and what's going on. So they're starting to clue in. They do, they're not super comfortable yet. Yeah. But it's it rest assured, if you're ever on a colonization mission and you happen to see an alien ship, uh, go back to your ship. Yeah, yeah, go home. Don't be like, hey, let's what's in there? This is another case of why are the smart people in this movie so dumb? Yeah, you try to give them the benefit of the doubt because I've definitely seen things and be like, huh, let me inspect that. But I've also never looked across the street to the complexes that are being built mm-hmm. in my neighborhood at midnight said i think i saw a flash i'm gonna go inspect that <laughs> literally not once yeah. 10 times out of 10 i'm shutting my blinds and i hope i don't read about it tomorrow <laughs> like, mind, mind your own exactly uh a neomorph bursts from ledward's back killing him oh in it <laughs> we have a back burster not a chest burster oh uh, then mauls Karen to death. Amniotic sack just like falls on the ground. <laughs> but that thing came out with like energy. It was not messing around. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell y'all. Covenant doesn't play. No. Covenant doesn't. It bursts out of his back mm-hmm. and like falls still within like the again. This is this is not gonna be the most child friendly <laughs> show. Like within like its little sack on the floor, and the dude just like it just falls backwards, and you can, like, oh, it is a it's scene. Awful. It is a scene. <laughs> Ferris tries to shoot the creature, but hits various gas tanks, accidentally destroying the lander and herself. Outside, we want to go into this. I see you just sitting in your head like, <laughs> smart people, so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, outside the ship, another neomorph bursts from Hallett's throat and kills him. Now, 
This is the quickest we have ever seen a chest burster or a back burster bounce out of something. Yes, immediately. It's like within what hours? Not even that. Okay. It has to be. It has to be thirty minutes. Yeah, it, it thing moves fast because they're running back to the ship, which makes me wonder if this movie takes place before Alien, and Alien is the next step in the evolution. Why does it take so much slower in that next step? I don't know. Yeah, and really, Scott is responsible for Alien. He's the one that's in charge of putting this all together. I've been trying to put, honestly, I've been trying to put that together since last night of why so fast. Yeah. Um, Do you think maybe as they develop, they're getting stronger, and so they need more time to develop inside? I mean, it could. That's the only explanation I can think of, but they seem pretty darn strong in this one. Yeah, and they, there's another, we'll talk about the space hugger later. Uh, it's within, like, almost minutes. Yeah. So yes, 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 yes. Yeah. A uh, let's see. Also, let's which one is Tennessee's wife? Tennessee's wife was You know me even names. Um the woman who was doing the ecological dig. It's not Ferris, is it? Ferris. Okay. Yeah. So dumb. Yeah. If we're gonna what was the what's her name in Alien, the first alien that everyone hated? Oh, oh, uh shit. The whiny girl. Yeah. That is Oh, that is Tennessee's wife. Yeah. Which sucks because Tennessee might be the best character. And the entire time he's grieving over his wife, I just want to be like, don't, dude. She sucked. Like, <laughs> she, had min- she had minutes. And when an alien's attacking you, that's a long time to mm-hmm. rescue your friend. Mm-hmm. She doesn't release her from the thing. She's like, oh, we can't get the contagion out. What? How do we know that it's a contagion now? Yeah. How do we, like, let your friend out? Instead, she just cowardly runs, and she is the, again, if it's an alien thing and you have to have the whiny character, mm-hmm. she's there. She is there immediately. But luckily, much like Franco, she's gone pretty soon. Was it her that was running out of it during the explosion lit on fire? They never say, but I want okay. it ha- probably has to be. Because the other one was locked inside of the quarantine with that's the alien. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, as the remaining crew members attempt to radio Covenant for help, the Neomorphs attack them and kill Ankor. If you know who he is, but you're impressive because nobody really knows who anybody's <laughs> names are in this except for Daniels in Tennessee. No. It, yeah. The crew kill a Neomorph, but Walt, and by the way, this is the one of the wheat fields mm-hmm. that attack there. Very cool. Which is awesome. <laughs> they cr- the crew kill a Neomorph, but Walter loses a hand, saving Daniels from another. David, the sole survivor of the Prometheus mission, rescues the crew, looking like Luke Skywalker at the end of The Force Awakens. Yeah, I was thinking Assassin's Creed. <laughs> and leads them to an alien city full of corpses. We don't know it's the alien city yet. Right. We just see a bunch of skulls all over the place. And I'm, I don't know about you, Joel, but if somebody leads me to a place where I see a whole bunch of skeletons, you might question where you're going. I was trying to figure out whether they were skeletons. They almost looked like they were shiny and bronzed. Okay. So I, I was curious, like, is this just like a weird statue yard to commemorate something that happened? Yeah. My eyes aren't great. We'll, we'll put that on radio. Um, but I couldn't tell what it was. But you, no matter which way it was leaning, you knew that something bad happened there. Yeah. Something it, it, bad. Not, yeah, it, it's not pleasant. No. And you're following someone who do, you don't know who it is. Follow me. Yeah. Okay. And at first, I'll be honest with you, at one point, I thought that was going to be Elizabeth Shaw. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Uh, In order to gain the confidence of the crew, 
David misinforms the crew that upon their arrival, the engineer ship accidentally released a bioweapon, killing the native population of engineers. In the ensuing chaos, the ship crashed, killing Shaw. Uh, about as clear as mud, too, he communicates that. Yeah, but also believable. Yes. If that's the case. I mean, it's a believable story. You, right. Why would the android lie? You're just confused why he's on the ship. Yeah. Um, also, we're all confused when we know it's David because the last time we saw him, he was a head. Yes. And that was it. Where'd the rest of his body come from? Well, if you want to know that, watch the featurette, which is not a part of the freaking movie. Yeah. How, like, can, can we endorse watching a featurette before the movie? Because we don't want anything to be spoiled, but we also want the movie to make sense. Yeah. And I think when we do our grade later, we'll mention the fact that, listen, we have to grade this without the featurette's knowledge. Yeah. Um, inside the city, the surviving Neomorph attacks... Now, yeah, we see the Neomorph just show up all of a sudden, the one that they missed, shows up amongst all the skulls, and he's the white one, right? Yes. The one that's all in white without a mouth, really? Yeah. And he just shows up, and you're like, hey, good. <sighs> yeah, isn't somebody at the front door watching this? He truly looked like an alien, like an old-school alien. Yeah, and... The guys are outside of that doorway with their satellite dish, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all black environment, and you've got this white creature in the middle of it. Wouldn't they have noticed that? One would think. <laughs> <laughs> in order to gain the confidence of the crew... Okay, yeah. Inside the city, the surviving Neomorph attacks and decapitates Rosenthal, who was separated from the main group. Rosenthal girl. Yes. Okay, and here we get back to one of our... Not our first tribute to the previous, but one of them. Mm -hmm. Let's have a female character by herself take a few layers off to where she's just in a tank top. You know what? It's a trope. It is. It is <laughs> exactly what they did in the first two, three movies. And you tell your, you say to yourself, oh, there it is. Mm -hmm. The more so tasteful clivage, if you will, yes. scene for where you're like, okay, this is an alien movie. Mm -hmm. It's not Sigourney. But it's also not the only cleavage one we'll get, because at the end we get a little something also. Well, that's the that's the only cleavage one. <laughs> we get. The one at the end, you're like, and our rating. Yep, there it is. Uh, then something weird happens. David shows up, and the neomorph stands up on its hind legs and approaches David, which is pretty fierce. And I'm like, oh, and they communicate. Mm -hmm. I think he says something like, "If you blow on a horse's nose." It'll be your friend for life or something yeah, like that. Yeah, if you blow up the nostrils, it'll... And he blows on it, and it almost like it, it reacts, but not in a menacing way. Mm -hmm. And what do you see behind him? Mr. Faith, Billy Crudup, Orem, with a gun. And you're like, this guy, I swear... Get... Somebody shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, yeah. I didn't... See, I, had, I didn't have that reaction. Yeah. I knew what he was about to do. Um... I could see like the insides of him being so mad that he's not in control of his own ship. Okay. And him about to say or do something that is going to gain him the feeling of some control. Yeah. Because up until this point, nobody's listened to him except for his one order that pretty much everyone was telling him to do anyways, yeah. go down to this new planet. And he has felt totally out of control, underappreciated, and he finally comes to meet this android who now let's say in crudup's mind he has been lied to okay so you're telling us you're a friend but now you're talking to one of the aliens yeah what's on the ground the decapitated body of one of my one of my crew members 
So he's mad because his crew didn't trust him. Now he's being lied to by an android. And so you can kind of see his patience wearing thin, if you will. And he had one of the biggest laughs in the movie also because he points – after he shoots at the Neomorph, he turns his gun on David. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I forgot about that. I can't remember what he said, but it was like, if you don't tell me what's really going on, I'm going to I'm going to ruin I'm going to ruin your perfect uh structure or it was something your perfect that, posture. Yeah. <laughs> it was something like that. And the whole theater started laughing because it was like that was actually good. He said, he, he, he's pointing the gun at his chest saying, if you don't tell me where you're going to go, I'm going to ruin your posture because <laughs> the android stands perfectly. And, and the android says, right this way. And right turns this way. Around. It's a very Sheldon Cooper moment. He just turns right around and walks. Yeah. Uh, I, let's just say this again. Michael Fassbender is the highlight in this movie again. He is one of the highlights. Yeah. I will say he makes the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another one we'll talk about later. But yeah, he is... Again, he's outacting most of the people in this movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He is absolutely outacting all of them. Um, so, yeah. The, and then David's horrified when Orm kills the machine. You yeah. Know, he's like, what are you doing? Oh, my God. No. And you don't really understand why. I had he, his trust. You don't understand it until David does his Bond villain thing, which is explain what he's been doing on the planet the entire time. Right. So, as at Orm's demand, David reveals his activities on the planet. Using the black liquid as a catalyst, he created the earliest neomorphs after experimenting with a parasitic creature that laid eggs inside its prey. Upon being born, the larvae ate the prey from the inside out. David shows Orem a chamber he has used to further experiment upon it and develop several eggs. <laughs> David tricks Orem into observing one of the eggs as it opens, from which a facehugger emerges and implants Orem with an embryo. A xenomorph later erupts from Orem's chest, killing him. This is one of the better uh, theater, uh, like theater appreciation scenes <laughs> of everyone in the theater going to be just going, uh, uh. <laughs> you knew you were in a theater full of alien fans. Yes. When he, I think Orem says something like, "I oh, know." David goes, "You can go ahead and look." You're perfectly safe. And the entire theater went, oh. <laughs> okay, guy. Okay, guy. <laughs> it was so audible. <laughs> like, I don't like it when I'm in a theater and people are talking, but that moment made me laugh. Yeah, it was really funny. There were a couple <laughs> moments. I'm trying to remember what it was that you, I did something that made you laugh. Because <laughs> oh, like, you were going, no, n- no, oh, <laughs> that no, was no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> There was another where, like, a girl in front of us said something, and it that made it clear that this is her first Alien movie. It was, they were behind us. It was at the very end. There, there was one of a, behind us, and there was one of someone okay. in front of us where I just leaned up and looked at her. <laughs> like, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's that? Yeah. It's like an egg or I don't know. There. The crowd got into it. We'll oh, say that they were. Yeah, this you were you were in a very positive crowd for this. Yes. Uh, the and the laughter was well earned. It wasn't like laughing at the movie; it was laughing with the movie. Um, but the eggs looked great. The face hugger looks awesome. I like the fact that after the face hugger gets defeated, it crumpled up like a spider. Its legs all went up together like that. I'm surprised you like that. I was wondering if that was something you would hate. I, well, I, I liked it because good. That's what it should look like. We always see like here it is at one state, here is the other, and they actually show it mm-hmm. doing that. Um, I, it, it's a very, it, it's a cool scene. And once again, Ridley Scott, Aliens, they do gross better than most. They do 
they do gross. And when you see it inside the egg rolling around, it's just like, God. And then later, like within minutes, it bursts out of Orem's chest. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wow, that was fast. So fast. Gestation period was really quick there. Um, As the crews search for Orem and Rosenthal, Walter confronts David after learning the truth of experiments. David had deliberately unleashed the black liquid upon the engineers and murdered Shaw, whose corpse is shown severely mutated and dissected. David disables Walter and captures Daniels. He folds him. Like, yeah. he hits him in the neck and his whole body just folds. I thought that he, like, it was almost, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. I still can't right now. My words aren't coming to me. It was it's, like shutdown mode. It reminded me of in the uh, Wolverine preview where he just puts the... Oh, yeah. Puts yeah. the claws through the dude's head. Mm-hmm. That's what it looked like it did. I thought that he just, like, straight ruined his trachea. Right. And then brought him back down. Mm-hmm. And he just, I mean, he fell like laundry. He was just like, Vroom. And this is, isn't this when Walter is walking around David's place and he picks up the flute? Yes. And David teaches him how to play the flute. And then he talks about creation and how they, Walter says, I cannot play music. I, I They've upgraded me to not have that and david goes oh they've upgraded you to be subservient and not be able to create mm-hmm. and you realize david something's wrong with david and walter calls him out on it saying there's a glitch or something something happened early on to you where you're thinking this way and you weren't made to think that way and david teaches him how to play a song on the flute and he goes look at that you can create mm-hmm. and he's given the power to walter now and Walter's sitting there going, yes, I can do it when you show it to me. But it goes back to the themes of the very first Prometheus, which is creation. Who can do it? And should we do it? And is it uh, authentic? Yeah. I mean, when he plays Wagner, yes, it's one way to play Wagner. But anybody that's played music knows that you could play one song 80 different ways and make it sound different in different ways. His is the very boom, 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 boom. There's no emotion behind it. And although David claims he, is in, he was in love with Shaw... Walter says, you, you can't be in love with Shaw. You, know, you, it, you, you can't feel that. And David goes, well, what do you call it? He goes, duty. That's my yeah. duty. So all these little things, I think doesn't David say something like, well, then why, what, what made you sacrifice your arm? You know? And, yeah. he, and there's a pause. It's kind of like, oh, duty. My duty. Yeah. yeah. Duty. Sadly, JC will not be listening to this podcast because he told me yesterday, he's like, I don't want to be spoiled. Oh, man. Yeah. We could have used a lot of duty giggles. <laughs> uh, so David captures Daniels. Walter reactivates himself and saves her. Now, I don't know how he reactivates himself. He, he was down for the count, and then he just shows up again. It's Do you not- think it was a design tactic? Something that he learned? Well, it's the self. I mean, we see that when it shows him down, yeah. it shows the hole in his neck when he was hit and he just crumpled. It shows that hole seal up. Oh, so maybe he can self-regenerate? He can self... Well, he, that's the whole thing. Is He says that he can self-heal, and that's something I'm actually going to talk about later. Mm. Whatever he does, or whatever David has in his hand that he like sticks through him and he falls down with, I think it like punctured his neck, and he just falls. Okay. But when David leaves and Walter's on the ground, it goes a, does a close-up up on Walter, and you see that hole in his neck self-heal, okay. and it closes up. And so you know that he may not be fully done. Again, they do some things in this movie that you don't necessarily, not everyone's catches. You're right, right. And I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't well, know, like, if you need to be straight clear with it, 
Yeah. Or if it's good to have things that you have to go back and see. Mm-hmm. But those small things that they're not including are kind of big deals well, to I the think, flow of the movie, at least. I think this is an example of a movie that's meant to be seen in a theater. Because if you watch it at home, you're distracted by a million other things. Yeah. And you could miss little things like that. In a theater, you can't be distracted. If there's one light, it's coming from the screen. Your eyes are there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so Walter reactivates himself and saves her. And the two synthetics fight. Fastbender versus Fastbender. This reminded me of Man of Steel. Yes. Which mm-hmm. I didn't care for, necessarily. Boring fight scenes. We'll say that. Yeah. Boring fight scenes because someone's just going to have to decapitate the other to win. Well, and that's the thing. You know, it. I hate when you see two people fight and they're very similar. And one of them says, oh, I've, I've been improved or I've upgraded or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they still get their ass kicked. And it's like, no, if you have the upgrades, you win. That, that's it. You win. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I like the fight itself. I thought it was a cool fight, but I, the ending we'll talk about. <laughs> yeah. Walter emerges victorious while Lope is attacked by a face hugger. So here's another face hugger. Hits Lope. Demian Bashir. Uh, Cole removes the face hugger from Lope, but they are both ambushed by the now matured xenomorph born from Orem. The xenomorph kills Cole, but Lope escapes. So Lope's got the guy in the little ba- little bastard inside of him. And the th- that's what you wonder. Has he already planted the seed or did he get the face hugger off in time? Right. And so apparently going through your mind the whole time, but we find out in yeah. a minute. Let's just go on. And I'll be honest with you, at this point, I didn't think it got in. Really? I was like, okay, got off and di- didn't plant or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he gets burned by the acid, but first time we see the acid blood, actually. Yes. So the Don't acid- they, is that the first time they talk about it? Well, it's the first time we see it burning a hole into something. Because it okay. hits the floor, it burns, and it burns its face. Okay. And, yeah. Or do they not? When she shoots the face hugger in the quarantine lab, does it burn anything? No. Okay. No, it doesn't. Um, Tennessee, the pilot of the Covenant, arrives in another lander to extract Daniels, Lope, and Walter. They kill the adult xenomorph with the lander's crane and dock with Covenant. This is, at this point in the movie, I was pissed. Because two things have happened here that it doesn't work for me. One is... It's acid blood, yet you can crush it with the crane, and it's not going to burn the crane. Another tribute. Yeah. You're right. I didn't notice that it didn't burn the crane. Also, we know the movie's not over yet, but we also, it wasn't clear that Lope wasn't implanted. Mm -hmm. It was clear, I mean, because in the past, we've never seen one pulled off, and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And so... We're to believe at this point, if if that's the case, that's the end of the movie right there. And mm-hmm. that's how it went out? Right. I'm like, that was it? Yeah. It attacked a crane. <laughs> Which was the tribute back to aliens. And also, what this uh, summary doesn't talk about is Tennessee, the pilot and his co-pilots, the entire first half of the movie, first maybe three quarters of the movie, are sitting up above this hurricane mm-hmm. that is going on. Hmm. Let's mm. talk about that real quick. All right. <laughs> he's wanting to get down to save his wife. Yes. And so he's wanting to take the ship down. Well, to save them because he finds out right. later. Well, the thing is, he wants to get down there to save his wife. Okay. Mother and all of the co-pilots are saying, we cannot do this. It is too serious. He said, F serious. He's like, we're getting that. He's like, it is our job to help the crew. Yeah. And then... After a few back and forth with his co-pilots, he 
gets a call. They say, can we talk to you on a private line? You, He is told that his wife didn't make it. And you see Danny McBride in a really good segment of acting. Yes. Again, maybe his maybe his fox catcher. I his fox know. catcher moment. I don't know. Maybe I'm excited to see what's happening for McBride in the future. It didn't look comedic. No. No, it didn't. And so what happens is he then decides we need to go down anyways. And so instead of taking the full ship down, they get another uh, drop ship, drop ship yeah. and go down to Earth. Not to Earth, but to the planet. But the entire time they're talking about how powerful this hurricane is and how they can't go through it. Do we see even a cloud when they're fighting on the ground? <laughs> I just now realized that. Um, the ship can't make it down because of a hurricane, and yeah. maybe it's just too high in the atmosphere. That happens. Mm-hmm. I ta- we taught science this year. That happens. I think it was more there would be structural damage, and right, but it doesn't even it doesn't rain on the planet. And they say yeah. there's a hurricane. Yeah, they said they can't land because of a hurricane. But you're on, you're down fighting aliens on a planet, and wind isn't even blowing over the wheat. Yeah, maybe they maybe it's a big eye of the storm. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe a I big eye. I don't want to forgive anything here, but let's go with that. Let's go with the eye <laughs> of the storm. Uh, but it is interesting. They can't radio back and forth. David even tells them, <laughs> well, it could be days, weeks, months, but good luck with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I guess there is. They do mention the story. It rains a little bit. Yeah. A little bit in the beginning. Uh so they kill the adult xenomorph. However, Lope had been implanted with a xenomorph embryo, which burst from his chest, killing him before quickly maturing and killing crew members Ricks and Upworth. Can we emphasize the word quickly? We can. Quickly. Quickly. Um, now, with the help of Walter, Tennessee, and Daniels, corner the xenomorph in the Covenant's terraforming bay and flush it into space. Boy, there's a lot skipped over here. Uh, <laughs> they do the alien cubed way of trapping an alien let's close all the doors as it's following us Mm -hmm. and then trap it in the holding bay yeah that was alien cubed wasn't it alien cubed where it walks on the ceiling yes it is that's what alien cubed did well but you also get the alien view the point of view from the alien which looks better than alien cubed yep because alien cubed they stretched the screen out yeah and this it just looked veiny and domed and I was like, oh, that's a cool look right there. Thank you, Ridley Scott, for coming back. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty awesome. And it it moves naturally quickly throughout this film in a way that's realistic, as opposed to Alien Cubed, where sometimes it was slower than the humans running, and sometimes it was faster. Mm-hmm. This, it's always quick, and you have to be far ahead to beat it. And they're doing a good job of it. This movie makes me realize this thing is the ultimate predator. Oh, yeah ultimate predator Mm -hmm. i was really hoping for the alien four tribute of it being sucked out by its ass (laughs) (laughs) well uh we didn't we did not get that we got the alien two uh machinery yeah well there is a tribute to alien resurrection that i'll bring up later uh with the help of walter okay we did that in the flesh into space because that's what you do with an alien you gotta shoot into space uh Covenant returns to its original mission plan, and the crew re-enter space. Ooh. 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 We forget. What? Um, never mind. Wait. <laughs> what do we forget? Do we want to mention the uh, shower scene? Well, I think that's Rickson Upworth. So, yeah, killing crew members Rickson Upworth. So, here, it quickly matures, Sorry. and then it kills Rickson Upworth. Who are... They're <laughs> so happy to get off the planet. They are... <laughs> 
showering together. Now, again, they're married. I'm yes, sure they are, they are going to colonize together. And this is where you get the scene that we all wanted to see from the very first preview, mm-hmm. where they're in the shower together, and that tail comes in between both of their <laughs> legs. But it's not the tail that kills them. No. It is a full-grown alien behind the glass, and my boy, Little Mouth, shoots <laughs> through the glass, through the back of the dude's head. Little Mouth, we are learning in, per- in this one, has range. Oh, yes. Covenant tells us that that Little Mouth can shoot so far out of the alien's head that it can break through glass, go in the back of the dude's head, and out of his mouth. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Whoa. And then I love that at this point they throw in like a second of nipple. Yep. Because, oh, well, obviously we want to make it realistic. But if, if the they don't apply enough, that, we'll do this. They don't apply like, okay, we have to make it realistic through much of like the first five sixths of the movie. Yeah. But they're like, well, I mean, they are getting killed in the shower. Someone is bound to get exposed. But this is another callback to Resurrection, though, because in Resurrection, if you remember, the one guy's got the chest burster and he holds the doctor to his chest. And the chestburster goes through his chest through the other guy's forehead. Remember that? Oh, no. I forgot about that. Yeah. So I remember how Dan Hedaya dies. Well, yeah, that was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, Dan. We're still recovering. <laughs> so here we go. Covenant returns to its original mission plan, and the crew re-enter stasis. As Walter puts Daniels under, she asks him if he will help her realize her dream of building a log cabin on their new home world. Okay. Pause. Yes. Oh, this is the only thing in this movie that I wish Fastbender would have done differently. Oh, okay. Go on, and I'll tell you what. Okay. Walter does not appear to remember that she previously confided the secret, and Daniels realizes she is talking to David. Now, pause. This is where, like, it's almost, it's not even that he doesn't know what she's talking about, because Fastbender doesn't give a look of confusion. It's almost a, you're in your chamber, there's nothing you can do now. He just stares at her. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it is there's, cool. There's no inflection to what she's saying. Right. Yeah. And so, but what I wish, and again, this is a selfish viewer, mm-hmm. I wish he would have like acted confused and then realized he was caught in a lie. But it is kind of just dark that he just stares at her and she doesn't get what she wants in return as far as like, of course. He just goes, yes. Yeah. And th- it's, it's not super clear at that moment that, they're not connecting. Mm-hmm. I wish it would have been a lot more clear from the get go of, oh, oh no, this is not, this is not Walter. So I wish that they would have done a little bit more of a. Hmm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that shows you how far David will go in that he cut off his own hand to look like Walter, but he does it all so fast. Yeah. There, he, but. Mm. Mm, something that gets me though. Oh well, okay. We'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, honestly, this is a great twist in this movie. Yeah. And this is where it, this is where it turns to a thriller. You need to realize that uh, we are in worse shape than we have ever been in this whole series because mm-hmm. now you got a crazy robe, crazier than Ash, who's with two thousand embryos, and. While everybody goes to sleep, 
David gains access to the colonist's cryosleep quarters and regurgitates two facehugger embryos, placing them in the refrigerator alongside the human embryos. Uh, David then records a log stating that all crew members except for Daniels and Tennessee were killed by the neutrino blast at the beginning of the film, which leads me to believe that those two facehugger embryos are going into Daniels and Tennessee at some point. I know, but that's the end of the film right there. So the film ends. What do you think after watching this? Uh, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I woke up this morning. I found myself liking it less the more I tried to process the point that they were trying to get across. Okay. As I'm doing this podcast, I'm kind of going back more towards how much I like the movie. Yeah. But initially, after I watched it, I was I didn't know what point they were trying to make i don't know what they were truly going for with this movie okay but that's my that's what i thought immediately after watching it mm -hmm. i liked it uh, because i got answers to questions from the previous movie and i liked that they didn't abandon the tone or story themes in this film just for the alien mm. you know again the alien was kind of a sidebar to what they were trying to get across they were taking those themes from before and trying to build off of them and really re you, you start to realize David is the villain in this series. Yeah, he's a bad boy. He's a bad droid. Bad hey. boy. Yeah. Uh, what worked well in this movie for you? Favorite parts? I love that McBride ended up being a significant character. It's yes. hard to tell from our synopsis that we just read because we had to condense it down, but he was he ended up being a great character. And the first half, he wasn't in it again. He was a ship captain. He was trying to get down there. But... Um, I loved McBride. I loved that he was not just the goofy sidekick. And it was great how they portrayed the aliens and how we get to see them hunt like we've never seen them before. Yeah. Thanks to CGI, they did an amazing job at letting us fully get the alien. Alien, the very first one, is magnificent because they do so much with how little they're able to show us. Right. Because it was the 70s. They didn't have what they have now, in which is why I think Alien is probably my favorite. Maybe it's because I saw it first. But I acknowledge how much they were able to do with as little as they had. Mm -hmm. On the flip side to it, they sure did a lot in this movie with what they, were available, what they had available. And I think just in this movie, what the growth of the Alien is portrayed very well and the clarity of... It's development through David and his lab. That was sweet. Yeah. I loved that, you know, you have this debate on creation and then, okay, well, if there's a creator, well, humans can create too, but flawed creatures are going to create f even more flawed things. Yeah. And so you have this, if a human is a creation, the creation's creation being David, and now David somehow creating his own species that is now, let's just say it's an uh-oh. It's a perfect organism. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. But um, lastly, I think the most pleasant surprise, and I don't mean this in a sarcastic way, <laughs> that Franco wasn't really in it at all. <laughs> I love it. I love that you Franco hate was... that man's face. <laughs> he fix <yeah>, it. <laughs> but it... And maybe it's just from being, like, I was the I was the lineman in high school and middle school. I was the best friend in middle school and mm -hmm. college. 
I always want to see the sidekick do well. Okay. And that's not to say that the main guy is a bad guy. My None of my friends are bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you you always want to see the person that is helping. I mean, Franco's movies wouldn't be what they were if it weren't for McBride. You, you do not have a great – I'm saying, sorry. You don't have This is the End without Danny McBride. No, you don't. You don't. You don't have – but McBride is the MacGuffin in that whole movie because he's the one that keeps putting him in worse and worse and worse situations. Yeah. So you really can't have... He's essential to the plot of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just... It's great. So I've always wanted to see McBride on his own. And I mean, yeah, you have Kenny Powers, but he's still that character that everyone else has developed. He's still within that little world of comedy. Mm-hmm. You take him out, you put him in a horror sci-fi film, and he does really well. And so I like that you didn't have to say, oh, there's Franco and McBride. Where's Rogan? Yeah. You can just say, <laughs> there was McBride, and McBride did really well. Okay. And so I like that we can assess him from a purely independent standpoint. Um, I like the natural evolution of the alien. And in that, in Alien Resurrection, we got to see a, a little preview of the evolution. They showed you that one laboratory with each iteration of it leading up to the Ripley alien. Uh, in this, you get to see... David's lab, Dexter's laboratory, <laughs> David's, <Yeah. laughs> David's lab, where he's this crazy ass zoologist who's melding this with every single thing he possibly can find to create the most perfect organism. And he does. And it's brilliant. Uh, it moved better than it has in the past few movies. Mm. Uh, like most Ridley Scott films, it's beautiful to look at. It was. It's pretty. It answers a lot of questions regarding the alien and how you get that alien specifically. Why is it a chestburster? Why does it come out of an egg? Why does it do this? Why is it? And you realize all these things are in David's lab. It's his fault. He's the reason why this happened. Uh, I, David and Walter is the highlight for me. Both of those guys, uh, Michael Fassbender killed it. And my final thing, and this was something that we talked about when we first heard that Franco and McBride were going to be in this. McBride was not a liability in this movie. He was an enhancement. And we all thought about it. like, oh, God, what's he going to do? What's McBride going to do? It's going to be a bunch of fart and dick jokes. And it wasn't that. He had a couple jokes here and there that were essential to character development for him and how he reacted around the crew. But it wasn't just to have jokes. Agreed. So it wasn't forced. Good point. Uh, what didn't work in this movie for you? Honestly, there are a few. Nice. For a movie that I enjoyed, mm-hmm. I picked a lot of stuff out that I did not like. I want to say this before you start. You wrote an essay akin to what I usually write at the end of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Um, picture, if you're a candy person, picture one of those stations where you can fill up a mixed bag of whatever you want and you can weigh it at the end. Okay. If you are more on the savory side, picture yourself at a Panda Express. Where you can like pick three or pick four, whatever. They took a lot of, ooh, there, here's a good scoop of this. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and I want a scoop of this. But then in the end, you look at your plate and be like, what did I make? <laughs> I love, like, you can be like, ooh, I really like. Was it the Joey Tribbiani trifle? Yeah, they had the, uh, <laughs> when the pages got stuck together, the English trifle with the jam lady fingers and beef sautéed in peas and onions. <laughs> you end up with a bag of gummy bears, milk duds, and then um, fun dip dust. Oh. And so it's a lot of things that are good on their own, but you didn't complete a lot of them. Takis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't like how they wanted to make a point that the man of faith can take control and be a leader, and then they made him a total whiner and a liability to the ship. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm not saying that I don't like that they wanted to make faith something in the movie. I don't like that they started it and then totally just gave up on it. The first 20 minutes were all about faith and then every like little connection there from there. But the the knots were tied so loosely, they just came undone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, they try to remind you that it was a thing by making the picture of the crew look like a Last Supper picture, <laughs> which was so absolutely irrelevant and had nothing to do with anything in the movie. Except it, it was their Last Supper. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah. They're trying to make people think about creation, and that's good. You should. But the... The way that they went about it was so just painted poorly. Because if you look up the picture, if you, I mean, you can Google Last Supper, Alien Covenant, and they are making Franco look like Jesus. <laughs> Franco wasn't in this <laughs> effing movie. He was in the featurette. <laughs> it's a, but, like, and that's the thing I think I, like, I don't like about Franco. You could just sit there and just, like, destroy him to his face, and he's just going to have that dopey look on his face like yeah man and it's so nice to meet you too yeah and they mm. that's the thing even in the featurette franco's character wasn't making jokes or anything he was like i'm not feeling well i'm gonna go to cryo sleep so it wasn't forced franco no and but again i go back to what i said earlier which is that you could have easily replaced crud up with franco and it would have worked yes but and you have him and it goes back you have him great in the featurette He's he's great in it, and mm-hmm. he paints a good picture. But then you have him, and you're looking back on the videos that she has on her phone, and he's this total goof doofball yeah. that's hanging on the side of a mountain. And his buddy about falls. He's like, ha ha ha, yeah yeah. Look at us, bunch of guys being guys. All right, honey, I'll talk to you later. As they're like <laughs> hanging on a two million foot oh, <laughs> like rock face with no like <laughs> no ropes to support him. <laughs> and like, who who is Frank? Like, someone tell me who Franco's supposed to be. In this, like he was, he was serious in the featurette, but then he was a goofball in the videos. Looking back, you, and I just, I need someone to p- tell me what I need to think of Franco. Can I make a suggestion Please. that might have fixed this? Instead of her picking up a picture of them, you know, on a vacation, or whatever it is, and she, then seeing the video, she picks up a picture of their last picture as a group mm-hmm. on the ship before they went to cryo sleep, and she has a flashback of that featurette that we see yeah that's how you fit that in instead of having doofus mcgee mr frat you know jokes on a rock wall watching his friend almost die you have the serious captain and you also establish at that point that the captain would rather have his wife talk to them than his second in command and you see brilly crudup get passed over again yes yes that'd be that's great yeah put that and maybe in the director's cut they'll do something like that i hope they do god willing um I want, I don't know, maybe I'll figure it out with Franco. I want to see him, like, genuine. I think that's it. I want to see something genuine. Yeah. The Even with the, like, teaching at Brown and all the stuff that he's done, everything's turned into a joke. And maybe I just want to see people go, no, Franco is legitimate. We got to quit making everything light of what he does. And it could be that. The uh, roast on Comedy Central, which was great. The roast of Franco is phenomenal. It really is. But there's something incomplete about him, and I want resolution on it. Um, I also, I don't know 
what direction they were trying to go in. The first, the first half of the first quarter is super science fiction, almost to where you think it's about to go fantasy when David shows up for the first time in yeah. his little Luke Skywalker <laughs> uh, shoots the flare in the air. Rope. Yeah, <laughs> and almost like I, th- I was like, is this about to take a fantasy turn? Like pull out a lightsaber. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then it hits horror in the middle when you see the aliens face to face, and there are a lot more jump scares. Great, gl- great shots of the alien, and then the last quarter it turns into a thriller. Yeah, I felt like it was three different directions that were put into one movie, um, or a very obvious three act structure. Yes, very obvious. Yeah, that didn't necessarily mend well. An They're over, more s- an overly obvious. They were stapled <laughs> together. And <laughs> speaking of which, David's face. Um, could David safe self heal too? Because let me ask you, yeah. if your answer is yes, then why aren't why were his scars on his face not healing? If your answer is, well, no, he wasn't upgraded, then why is there no hole in his chin where she stabbed him with the nail? Yeah. There are so many mishaps in this. <laughs> you Okay, so what we didn't get to mention when uh David goes after what's her name? Daniels. Daniels. David goes after Daniels in a very rapey fashion. Oh God, yeah. And she has a nail that Franco gave her, or that Franco gave her, tied around her neck, or that was his, and she turned turned into a necklace. She stabs it through the bottom of Davis's chin, very uh, Logan style, <laughs> pulls it out, and so he should have this hole in his neck, or in the, at least the bottom of his chin. Yeah. And I was looking for that so closely the moment he showed up because you don't know, you don't know if no. it's Walter or David. You're looking for it. And what sells you on it is the missing hand. You sit there going, oh, it's Walter. Right. But in the moment that David must have taken care of Walter and got away, this is what he did. He cut off his own hand, made it to where it looked like it had scabbed over time. Maybe. Somehow healed the hole in his chin, but still has a scar that hasn't healed on his face, and he updated his haircut. And what's sad is that the audience is sitting there made to reason it out in their heads as opposed to being told what it is. Yeah. I mean, I could make excuses for everything or to make it work in my head, but in the end, it may not be what really Scott's intention. And you're right. Where w- You need those things to... You need them, but at the same time, I can see why maybe the camera angle, you don't put it in that angle, you mm-hmm. know, to, to hide that part so that... Or maybe David's always talking to Daniels from below, but they so she never sees it. that. Oh, yeah, they do, don't they? When he's, when he's talking to him in the cryo chamber, yeah. she's looking up at him, and there's no hole. Mm-hmm. Because I said, okay, this must be, this must be uh, Walter. Yeah. But the other thing is the way that you can tell the difference between Walter and David after a walk is <laughs> also <laughs> David, when you get to him, looks like a total beach bum. Like He looks like a California <laughs> beach bro because he's got this blonde shoulder-length hair. Yeah. Then he cuts it to look like Walter. Mm-hmm. But he cuts it with, like, homemade scissors, and his hair kind of looks like a mess the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. But then when he comes back portraying himself as Walter, it's all cleaned up. Yeah. So he's cut off his arm. It's scabbed. No more hole in his chin. And he fixed his haircut? Like, he had time to go back and trim up his bangs? Maybe. I don't know. I'm gonna, that, that is just a part. I'm not saying that it is a fault of the movie. No, I'm right. saying that this is the part that this is what I perceived when I first watched it. I will have to go back again and clear things up. I'm not saying it's matter of fact. This is what I noticed. Yeah. Uh, 
they did such an amazing job finding connections and paying tribute to every alien movie before it. I just think they forgot to tie them all together in their own film. All right. Fair enough. Anything else? That's it for me. All right. Uh, for me, it was the alien spores impregnate the guy, and minutes later, he has a backburster. Uh, in the future films, this takes days. Didn't get to know. We didn't get to know the crew like in past movies. Uh, and that that makes you go. It helps you go on the journey with the crew because you start to feel something for these characters. You don't want to see them go. In this, you don't care if they go. And it's a lot like Alien Cube when you have all these prisoners, but you don't really know who the hell they are. When they start dying little by little, you're like, well, I didn't know who that was anyway. Yeah. Um, smart people doing dumb things again. Looking in an egg sack. <laughs> Daniel's bungee jumping with her machine gun to kill the alien below the ship. Have you ever shot guns? I have never shot a gun in my life. Okay. I didn't shoot one until last year. Mm-hmm. One of the, it was a fun date. I bet. Um, it is unbelievably hard to hit a target when you're standing still and it is standing still mm-hmm. now that i have shot my first gun at 25 <laughs> which is funny because i grew up in the appalachian mountains okay nah it put go go shoot yourself a gun once and you will see every you probably wouldn't be swinging forward with it <laughs> no well they didn't have that option yeah. in, in nashville <laughs> but you will watch every shooting movie so much differently mm-hmm. unless they are trained specialists like a john wick okay or anything to do with the united states military yes. that's obviously different but when you have a scientist harnessed in swinging back and forth <laughs> with an automatic <laughs> <an automatic laughs> rifle shooting an alien that can run 50 miles per hour you go <laughs> which supports your theory of she's bungee jumping and shooting like a marksman and and does she know at that point it has acid blood? I don't think she was ever. She wasn't around at that. When, do, when does she come into contact with an alien? Is this it? That's it. Because, and here, that's what I don't understand. I mean, I guess she comes in contact with it uh, on the ship before it blows up. She sees the baby one, I think. Does she even see the baby one? A lot of a lot of questions we need to write down and watch this one to get together. Yeah, well, <laughs> here's it. it. Well, here's my another issue is Daniels is a written strong female character clone of Ripley, mm-hmm. except there is D- Daniels for the most part has been very neutral in everything going on here, in that she's not exhibiting too much anger or. Uh, I mean, the most emotion you see out of her is when her husband dies. Yeah. And then when they get on the ship, you, I think it's n- his name. Uh, Tennessee says, oh, we got a, we got a, a visitor hi- with us, you know, the aliens under the bottom of the ship. And she grabs a gun and she's like, okay, I'll take care of it. You don't know what the hell it is. You're missing all of your crew and you're going to run out there and take care of this. You're a terraformer. What are you going to do? <laughs> you're right you're absolutely right uh so that and just and if she had i mean here's the thing if you know that it's going to burn why are you shooting it towards the ship to burn the hull of the ship which won't help you later on panic yeah so those but here's the thing are they nitpicky things i don't know i really don't know at this point because none of these characters are very well developed uh, we know Daniels to a point. We know Tennessee to a point. The one we know the most is David and Walter. Yeah. 
So thank you, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, for... most most of the dialogue is between Michael Fassbender and Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Um. So who is the audience for this movie? I would obviously Alien fans. Mm-hmm. The theater proved that. Yeah. It's it was a very fun theater interaction when you just noticed that everyone around you is kind of in the same place. Most of them. There's some. <laughs> that was yeah. That was one of the better theater experiences I've had. It was fun. Yeah. They uh much better than Prometheus for you. Oh, no. I don't want to get into that one again. Uh, check out our last <laughs> podcast. If you missed it, Joe will let you know all about his very first uh, <laughs> Prometheus experience. Um, but in an un- unbiased way, because I'm one of them, I'd say Danny McBride fans. If yeah. you want to see him in a role that is not Kenny and Powers, go see Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Or not Prometheus, Covenant. Okay. Uh, for me, it was just, you know, alien fans, fans of the franchise. It, it, this is a worthy addition mm-hmm. to this franchise. It is. Uh, so, movie report card. A, B, C, D, or F in the sci-fi horror genre. Joel, hit us with it. I'm giving it a B. Okay. It had me on the edge of my seat. And at one point, because we were in those very nice seats that oh. reclined. And so my legs were, my right leg was over my left. Um, and at one point, I moved and realized I'd putting so much pressure on my shin <laughs> with my right foot that I was, that my thought was, I think I bruised my shin. Because I was just like pressing down so hard and I was moving. And so I got into it. Yeah. It was a super fun movie experience, but I can't tie it all together in my brain. Okay. It could be that it's so well done that I'm missing it right now and I haven't caught the full symbolism between everything yet. Mm-hmm. But until then, it is an above average sci-fi horror movie that just falls short of Alien. Yeah. So it is not Alien. It is not Aliens. But it is very close. So since I'm pretty sure I gave Alien mm-hmm. an A, Aliens... So I don't know about A minus B plus of that. This would be a B. It falls just short of both of them because I wasn't here for the give aliens a rank. Um, uh, you gave it a B. A B. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's right up there with it. So falling short of both of those as far as tying things together. Mm-hmm. I think it was a great movie. I enjoyed myself. So I give it a B. All right. Um. Okay, I said earlier that this movie was going to be like a game of roulette. You were either going to win big or lose big. Well, I was wrong. You get a little bit of both. (laughs) Ridley Scott does a great job of finally giving us an origin of the alien species we've come to know and love. Tying this movie to Prometheus with Guy Pierce's youthful Wayland and the android David, who may be becoming the biggest villain in the franchise, Mm, supplanting the actual alien, was a brilliant stroke of genius. Mm -hmm. Michael Fassbender does another superb job as both David and Walter, making them both androids, but clearly different programming. The discussion about creation is touched on again, and it starts to make sense why David has made the choices he had in Prometheus, as well as this movie. The movie moves slow, though, and those who are hoping for a horror movie like Alien or Aliens probably aren't going to get it. This was a mashup of your favorite moments of each movie. In Alien, just like this movie, slow pace and only one alien on the ship. In Aliens, you've got explosions, and everyone has a weapon. Yeah. Alien 3, running down corridors, trying to trap it in a hold. Cubed. Alien Resurrection, experimentation with the alien species. Mm-hmm. And then Prometheus, your philosophical and theological debates. This is the greatest hits album. Yeah. Most of these things, it does well. But you can't help but wonder if there was a dialogue or scenes cut from this movie also that could have helped develop the characters better. The featurettes involving the crew before they go to cryosleep the first time should have been left in the film mm-hmm. to show the camaraderie between before the neutrino wave hits the Covenant. Mm-hmm. 
Although I love the mad scientist aspect of David's character and the wickedly smart twist at the end, I can't say this is one of the best in the series. It's definitely better than Alien Cubed or Resurrection, <laughs> but not quite Alien or Aliens. Last week, I said that my grade for Prometheus was an A-, minus, assuming that questions would be answered in this movie, and they were. So, Prometheus get, earns its A-, minus, but answering the questions doesn't automatically give us the same grade for this movie. I'm going to give it a tentative B+. Ridley Scott's next Alien movie will supposedly bridge the gap between Prometheus and Covenant. And if it can explain why David's programming has become corrupted and give us more insight as per what happened with Numi Rapace's character after escaping, or more on the engineers, then I will bump this up to an A-. So it's a B-plus for me. That's good. It's really tough to give grades to movies that truly do. And I know we say you have to grade it as a standalone, but you can't. Not when it's a franchise. You can't. Yeah. I mean, you can't grade Return of the Jedi without mm-hmm. the first two. You, yeah. You just cannot grade it as a standalone film because there are too many unanswered questions. These movies were meant to follow up and give information for. Yeah. So, and it, it, yeah. Also, when Prometheus came out, you know, we joked about how Prometheus was supposed to be a one-off. Uh, but at the time, I think Ridley Scott said that because he wasn't sure how it would be received. And then when it was received well... That's when he starts saying, okay, I've got another movie coming that's going to help. You're going to see the alien finally in it. And this, we get it. But as soon, even before this movie came out, he said, by the way, I've already got sequels planned. One's going to happen before, one's going to happen after this movie. And it's like, okay, he knows what the story is going to be. So whatever happens, not in this next movie, which is between Prometheus and Covenant, but the, the second one after that, which will tie Covenant to Alien, it has to do the following things. It has to get us back to a mother, which you can only type to, as opposed to speak to. Ooh, because remember, right. in Alien, they, they had to go into that big room of lights yeah. and type very rudimentarily into this computer. It's got to get back to that type of technology. Something's got to get us back to that. That's got to be a challenge. Yeah. Connecting 2017 to 1978, 1979. 79, yeah. Golly. Uh, but... I think it can be done. Maybe perhaps after watching this, people start to realize we've gone too far with that technology with these androids. Let's dial it all back so that we don't have so much corruption on our ships. Mm-hmm. So that, that could be a way to do it. I don't know. Ridley Scott's your idea. You figure it out. And they also have to be able to develop it to where the people on board don't know it's an android. Because they didn't know that Ash, uh, was. Ash was an android, right? Yeah. No, no. Nobody knew. Yeah. Yeah, nobody knew that Ash was an android. Next movie's going to have to bring it. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, excited. Well, the next one's the bridge between Prometheus and Covenant. So that's the, I'm going to assume, how David and Elizabeth Shaw get to the engineer planet and then what happens from that point on between the two of them. I don't think you need that movie. I th- here's the reason I think you need it. I think you need a digital short. You <laughs> a featurette? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we already th- got them. I think you need that movie because uh, as part of a side story also, why are we sending colonists? Yeah. It can explain that also. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, th- these are things to think about. So if this I'm movie's wrong, released... Joe's right. <laughs> 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 I'm just speculating. Someone's uh, thought about this more than I have. If this movie was released on Blu-ray, would you buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it? Um, the only way that I would buy it is if I found it in a Blu-ray set. Okay. But by, by itself, I would just have to bin it. But again... I'm going to probably stick with my answers that I did for the entire series. I prefer to bin it mm-hmm. due to my budget, 
Um, but I, if I can find it on a Blu-ray set with Alien, Aliens, Prometheus, and Covenant, yeah. then I would love just those four movies. That would be a really cool thing. Because yeah. I'm just not going to watch Cubed or Four unless me, you, and JC, <laughs> get, get drunk for and some reason, <laughs> someone's like, someone gave us all of this free beer, <laughs> and none of us have anything to do. In fact, we're all sunburnt, and we have to stay inside. Yeah. Can we? We just watched two pop, movies. Popping Cube. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I'm going to watch Cubed in four again. Although JC wasn't with us for Resurrection. He wasn't. No, no he missed out us. on that experience. That was the one I stayed awake for. Yeah, it was. Fully. Um, I'm a completionist in the Alien movies, as a hit or miss as they are, or a guilty pleasure of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find myself watching all these movies every single year. Uh, but I almost, I, I, I want to buy this, but I don't want to buy it right away. I want to wait until Ridley Scott is done with the movies. And the reason why is because he was going to fill. If we just watched one and three, and we're going to get two and four later on, I'm going to wait till all four of those are done, and then so that way I can get the the pack probably in 4K at that time. The pack where it'll tell you Ridley's guy will probably have a featurette on there that lasts for an hour and a half about how he what what brought him back to the franchise to do Prometheus. What was his thinking process from Prometheus to Covenant, and not just the next movie. I want to know all of this. And it's, it'll be on one of those, like, here's the prequel alien. It'll probably call it the David Quadrilogy. Yeah. They'll, pro- they'll probably call it the David Quadrilogy. Yep. Um, and that will be the perfect bookend to the Alien Quadrilogy. Mm-hmm. Is that you've got this one, you've got this one, eight movies, they all tie together, boom, super set. And it's done. Nobody touches this franchise for 25 years. Then they remake Alien. (laughs) Well, that's all I've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll continue our look in the horror pantheon with It, Chapter 1. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and give us a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at MoviePlanetPod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Special thanks to Twisterium and Sound J Music for providing our intro and closing music for all of our other shows. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. <laughs> <laughs>